to the Data Rockstars Coffee Podcast with me, Kelly Peters. And me, Regina Jonas. This week, we are joined by special guest Andre Vo, Managing Director of Claire Logic. Hi, Andre. Hi, how are you doing? Yeah, good. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for joining us this week. It's good to have you on the podcast. What we thought would be really good to talk about is the fact that at the moment, what we're seeing is post-COVID, people are now starting to return to office life. And with quite a few organisations, what they're looking at doing is trying to combine and be flexible, that sort of home working and office-based working, so a term that's been used quite frequently is hybrid working. And we thought it'd be really useful to chat to you as sort of a guru in all things IT to sort of find out a little bit about what you're seeing in that space around maybe some of the challenges people are facing and how you think that's going to sort of impact on how they engage with their different IT services and the products that they're using and potentially some of the then the data risks that sit around that. Yeah, sure. So yeah, thank you for having me. It has been a bit of a change over the last few months. What we initially found was that people through COVID were changing their business continuity plans. So previously they'd had, you know, if it was a hundred man team, they would have had a business continuity plan that meant, you know, 10 people could work, you know, in a disaster. Very quickly, we started finding people contacting us saying, well, I don't just need 10 people to be able to work. I need them all to be able to work. So, you know, it predominantly took the route down laptops. Yeah. Um, because obviously, if you've got a laptop, uh, you have, you know, sort of micro mobility, you know, you can go, you can work from anywhere, but in any room from anywhere. So, you know, you know, people with small children or whatever, you know, they wanted that flexibility of just being able to move around the house as far away from the children as possible. <laughs> um, in, instead of, you know, instead of being in a fixed place, you know, in a home office, etc. So yeah, so we did find, you know, that uh, laptops, etc which of course then caused a supply problem because you know we weren't the only company helping our clients there were mm-hmm. you know thousands of other companies all trying to source the right kit so people could work from home but now we're starting to see companies uh, returning to the office which is great because i think you know technicality aside you know there's a lot that you miss from working remotely the yeah. culture of the business etc and so yeah companies are starting to be a bit more flexible now in terms of what they offer um and how they offer it i think really the only way you can do that is through laptops there are some other options that you can go down it depends on your role of course um, you mm. know if you're an artist you don't really need a laptop but if you're you know, <laughs> As long as you're sort of usually sort of desk based or, you know, you, you know, using quite heavy IT, then, you know, usually a laptop is best because it gives you a lot of options. So, yes, that's kind of what we've seen now. And and actually right now is, is a great time to actually sort of reassess where you are and how people are working, because, of course, during COVID, you know, it was a real scramble to be working. Yeah. And so quite often corners got cut because mm-hmm. it's about oh we need to get people working so you know maybe they're working from personal devices mm-hmm. instead of company devices and then of course that comes then with risks of having company data on personal devices mm-hmm. so so right now is a great time to be reassessing that and looking at where the risks are uh, and then putting in a, a hybrid working strategy to support that and um, that's why you, you know you do need something that's flexible but but has the you know the right approach from a sort of an IT governance perspective. And are you seeing people make that decision in terms of doing that kind of actual assessment now, realizing that they might have staff working on their personal devices and realizing that's too big of a risk for them to take, and now going down that, okay, let's upgrade, move to a much more stable technical structure. 
Yeah, we are seeing, and you know, and it's really understandable that you know you you need people to work, but but now getting the yeah the right solution in place is important, and it needs to be flexible. You know, it needs to be with an eye to data security, data governance. You know, I, I keep saying the word flexible, but it is important to get the right solution in place for companies because if it isn't right, then that brings other risks. So you'll then have people maybe using shadow IT. So if they can't do what they, you know, if they haven't been given a laptop, for example, and they're being expected to come into the office, they'll just start using a personal device anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, that brings into, you know, lots of other problems into the mix. So yeah, making sure you have the right policy in place or the right kit is important. And you talked about shadow IT. It, it made me smile because I had a conversation with a client who told me he had a graveyard of old technology. And so I was like, <laughs> shadows and graveyards. I was like, ooh. But is there a way that you, or a tip that you can provide that allows companies to identify where they have that kind of non-work PC connected? You know, can you identify, oh, I don't know what that device is on the network. Is there any tip? So there's a couple of ways. There's a couple of ways we do that. Often shadow IT is, isn't really known to an executive team at all. Um, one of the things that uh, we do as a, a company is something called an IT strategic review. So quite often when we start talking to a new company that we're, you know, we're long-term, the aim is to work with them and support them. We carry out a strategic review for them where we, uh, one of the parts of that is actually having one-to-ones and focus groups with staff. And we anonymize all the data that we collect and then present it back to the board. And quite often we find that, oh, well, you know, I can't do it this way. So I'm just copying and pasting this data set into my personal iCloud account so I can move it over to here so I can work on it. And, you know, that's not usually a conversation that they would tell their boss, but they're telling us, you know, because we're doing it in a, you know, in a confidential manner. Of course, we report it back, but in a, in a sort of anonymized way. But yeah, often the risks are out there, but just companies just don't see it at all. So yeah, so we, we do see it. And of course, the way to mitigate that is to have the right solutions in place and then have the right technical controls in place as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's fine to have a bring your own device policy where, where people can use a personal device, but then that needs to be backed up with the correct HR policies that say, mm-hmm. Well, actually, you know, if you're going to use your own personal device, you know, you, you need to be only using it for email, for example, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then you need to have the right technical controls in place, which also back that up. So things like, for example, you know, there are still people that have mobile phones, or, you know, smartphones or whatever, that they don't have a pin set, for example, which is just a, a crazy, you know, it's devastating, crazy thing. <laughs> yeah, it's devastating. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, if, if you're letting somebody bring their own device for email so they can keep in touch on the go. You know, if they don't have, you know, encryption on their device or they don't have a pin set on their device, then, you know, you're just asking for trouble. You've only got to lose that device and then the data's out there, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So you can, of course, then reinforce that with technical controls. So so you can say that, you know, you can have email on your phone, but you have to set a pin and you can do that technically. So they can't have email on their phone unless they go and set a pin. Uh, you know, and there are other controls in place as well. Like you can say it needs to be a minimum iOS version for Apple or, you know, Android or whatever. That's really good because I think that's something quite a few companies struggle with the idea of is that they can put a policy in place, but how do they actually monitor and control it, particularly because they feel like, well, it's it's somebody's personal phone. So they recognise that there's potential to feel intrusive as a company by doing that. But actually, if the technical controls are very much from 
the company side that's I guess reassuring for the company but also doesn't feel as intrusive for the individual that somebody's looking at their phone and checking it's very much more well actually technically we can check whether or not you have the measures in place i.e the right operating system the pin code without being asked to bring your phone and put it in front of somebody and prove it type thing yeah that's right and so you know there's usually you know a couple of ways that you can manage devices which you may have heard of there's something called mobile device management and there's mobile application management so mobile device management means that you manage the whole device and of course that's fine if it's a company device you'd want to be managing it and making sure it's encrypted etc but then mobile application management is really good for people that want to bring their own device their own personal phones because instead of managing the whole device you're only managing the app, the work applications in use. And so, you know, you can set some policies that, you know, you, you need a pin, for example, but then you also, that it also then gives you some control over the applications. So if the device does get lost, you know, you can do a remote wipe of Outlook, for example, or OneDrive, if that's what they're using. And so, yeah, it's all possible, but I think you have to take a stand back and you have to work out what's acceptable, what your acceptable risks are, you know, make sure the policies are in place. And then, you know, frankly, make sure you're working with a, you know, a professional outsource provider that knows how to do this stuff and will actually do it for you so you know you've got the compliance. Yeah, absolutely. And do you find that you get that kind of senior management buy-in when you present that option to them to say, look, this is how we can support you. And as an outsourced IT, this is how we help identify your risks and the practical measures we can put in place to reduce those risks. Because you're never going to get rid of risk entirely. Uh, yeah, that's true. I mean, uh, to a degree, it, it depends on the company type and the mm-hmm. company size. So quite often with smaller businesses, IT is really seen as, a, you know, and as, ex- and as expense, as mm-hmm. an expense, if I can say that. And so doing some of this controlling, you know, if, if your company is using Microsoft 365, you know, you need the right licensing in place mm-hmm. to be able to, to, you know, manage those technical policies. And so with, with smaller companies, smaller organizations, it can be harder to get the buy-in because they just see it as cash disappearing. Mm -hmm. Whereas obviously with larger companies or, you know, that have a quite an established IT budget, it's just part of the norm and they know what they need to do. But it's also true, of course, you know, quite often we see charities, sometimes charities just don't think that these things apply to them, but in many ways it applies more to them because they have more governance through you know, other stakeholders, etc. you know, and they can often, you know, charities are often carrying, you know, donor information or whatever. Mm. So, so actually sometimes it's the charities that actually need to be more on top of this than anyone else. So yeah, small, small versus large companies. And then you've got, you know, if a company, you know, needs to be compliant for a reason through, you know, maybe they're working finance or something where they know that they have to have, have this comp- other, you know, other layers of compliance. They're usually much more on top of this anyway because they know you know they need they know they need to invest as part of their it strategy so i've got a question for you and it comes up too often for me i'm never quite sure what the if it's true or not but just because office 365 is in the cloud everyone's default position is that it's backed up obviously microsoft do have a, a redundancy and, and a re, does, well i'm gonna believe they've got a disaster recovery plan um what would you say to companies if they just believe that their data is being backed up in the cloud because it's such a massive provider like amazon web services or microsoft would you think that's okay or well, no i wouldn't actually and you know part of our sort of layered security approach that we work with our clients is that you actually do need to back up 365. You know, 365 is a platform Microsoft offer to you to use, but they don't actually back it up. 
There are things that you can do that help you not to lose data. So you can have retention policies and that kind of stuff in place. But there is no backup of Microsoft 365. So if you, for example, you know, delete a, a mailbox by mistake or you delete, you know, you have a user that deletes a subfolder or something like that. You know, there may be a few technical workarounds to get that data back. But actually, if those don't work, you've lost that data. And, you know, good luck going to Microsoft to go and ask, ask them to get that data back. <laughs> you know, you need to have, you know, that protection in place. It's a bit like sort of, you know, some companies still use Microsoft Exchange, which is a, an on-premise version of email. Microsoft sell you the software. They sell you the Exchange server to use. But you're still responsible for your data backing it up. So, yeah, so we, you know, as part of what we do and the services that we offer, we include things like 365 backup. So that's not just email, but that's also, you know, OneDrive, SharePoint, all those kind of things. Because then it makes it, of course, then really easy to say, you know, if, a, you know, if somebody from a company does ring up and say, I've just deleted this subfolder in my inbox, all my sent items have disappeared. You know, typically we'll have up to six snapshots of a mailbox in a day. So we can just go and restore it. So it makes, makes it a lot easier. So yes, you do need to back up 365, Microsoft don't back it up for you. That's uh, excellent insight and I think uh, a really good way to finish the podcast because as ever, time has flown by and uh, it's been really interesting chatting with you. So thank you very much for joining us today, Andre, and giving your insight and wisdom into sort of more IT specific side of data security and setup that people need to be thinking about now as they review their current position given the changes the last 18 months. Um, Thank you. Thanks very much, listeners, for joining us today. And if you spot any interesting news stories or there's anybody you think would be great to come on as a guest, then please do let us know and get in touch with us on coffee at dbxuk.com. Thanks, as always, for listening in and join us next week for more insight into the world of data and data protection and more top tips for you.